was Joe Biden a hero for getting Brittany Griner back or did he blow it in the negotiations? Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Let's bring in Harley Lipman. He's gonna help us sort this out. Geopolitical analyst, Sky News Arabia contributor and an Abraham Accords negotiator. So Harley, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. All right, so I have mixed feelings about the deal, but I'm curious what you think. Let's start there. Good deal, bad deal? Uh, well, mixed feelings is a perfect way to start. Uh, I don't even know if you could describe it as a good or bad deal. I, I would avoid those terms. I think that, I think you, even though I'm saying that, I'm actually gonna now contradict what I said. You can say it's a bad deal on one level, which is that it would, this could encourage Russia or other countries to seize Americans, to use them as leverage to gain some advantage with the United States, in this case, a prisoner exchange. So this is the bad news. It's a very unequal exchange. You have a basketball player who had a little residue of marijuana and was arrested and sentenced to some like 13 years in prison in Russia, hard time, if you will. And the United States has in jail someone who's characterized as a merchant of death. And during the days when we were looking for Osama bin Laden, because he was the number one on the list of world terrorists, number two was this guy, Victor Boot. So he's a really, really bad guy. And that we let him go back to Russia is obviously a very unequal exchange and could inspire Putin and other bad actors and, and rogue nations to use this tactic to get other prisoner exchanges. Okay, so uh, by the way, it was nine years that uh, Brittany Griner got. Obviously, trumped up charges, uh, basically became a political prisoner in Russia. So uh, before I weigh in, what did you think was the good side of the deal? And and after that, tell us, so overall, would you have done it? All right, the good side of the deal is that on a humanitarian level, you got an American citizen who was unfairly convicted, as you said, out of jail and back in the arms of her loved ones. So that's one reason why it's a good deal. The second reason is it's a win for black women in America. Here was someone who was prioritized. The Biden administration made major efforts to get her out and they succeeded. And I think it's it sends a really strong message to that community in a positive way. That's. That's the good news. And so, Harley, would you have done the deal or no? Wow, what a great question. I think I would have, I don't know. I don't think I would have done the deal the way it was done. No, I don't think so. I think I would have really made sure that we got out the other American, an ex-Marine who's been in jail for four years now. And who is innocent? Because if the administration goes out of its way to say that he's not a spy, it's just not true, then that's pretty reliable. If he was a spy, the administration would most likely say nothing. But when they're denying that that he was engaged in espionage, that's a that's considered the intelligence community and the diplomatic community as a pretty clear statement that he is an innocent man. Yeah. So I think that when we go to do critique, it has to be constructive and it has to be honest. So I think that most of the folks that are doing a critique of Biden these days are more on the dishonest side because 
uh, everybody was saying, get Brittany Griner home. I can't believe he hasn't gotten Brittany Griner home. He gets her home and then they turn around the next day and immediately, or that same day and go, oh, can you believe he brought her home? It was a bad deal, he's terrible, right? Uh, so, but, so that's the politics of it. But, but putting that aside, Harley, I think I agree with you. I don't think that I would have done the deal. Uh, and look, also being fair to Biden, he did, of course, try to get Whalen and Griner back and made several offers to Russia. And Russia did reject those offers. And then finally, Russia said, hey, you know what? Uh, just Griner uh, for, for Victor Boot. And so I, I'm really worried about the precedent that we set because this was as close to a nothing charge as you can get. So Harley, I don't know, I, I'd be worried. I'd be worried about going to a lot of countries. Um, honestly, I'd be worried about going to the Gulf countries. I'm, I'm an ex-Muslim and so they could consider me an apostate and just make up something. That's and true. then- That's uh, true. And then we gotta you know, do trades. And so this is pretty dangerous stuff. But, but at the same time, Biden wasn't a damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Uh, you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough position to be in. You know, and those negotiations must have been very difficult, opaque and murky and you know, really uh, would have been fascinating to get a glimpse into how, how what took place there. But I think what's interesting is understanding Putin's strategy because we're seeing it in Ukraine. And his strategy is to punch you in the face and then say, "Oh, okay, do you want to negotiate now?" And the United States takes the punch and goes, well, uh, it looks like you really don't want to negotiate given that you just punched me in the face. So that's the way Putin is. And it's it just gives him another victory, even though we're trying to do everything to pull him out of Ukraine. Nevertheless, here's a case where indirectly he scores a win over Biden and it's something he badly needed in Russia. So it enhances his stature there, which is, something we don't like. I think what's interesting is why did Russia try so hard to get this guy, Victor Boot, out of prison for the last 10 years? Because they've been really, and that's why when they when they arrested Brittany, that was their leverage and it worked. And that's the disturbing side of it. But what's interesting is why would they go out of their way and make this a priority for them? And I think there are three reasons. I think one is the fact that he probably had worked for the intelligence service, the FSB in Russia. So Putin wants to send a signal to his agents that he's gonna stand by them and he'll do everything possible to get them out of prison if they're arrested and, and to protect them. And that's an important message and that goes to his core values. I think that's one. Um, I think also uh, the reason why he was a priority for Russia is that they wanted to placate the uh, the rightist elements in Russia, people that are to the right of Putin, who are critical that Putin's not doing enough to win the war. So they've been very critical of Putin and that surprised a lot of people that you have that in Russia. So I think one, he wanted to placate the right wing that has been critical of him, that's the second reason. And I think the third reason is, I think they're looking for him to help them get weapons to fight the Ukrainians and shore up Russia's military in Europe. I think that the Russian military has suffered some humiliating setbacks. And I and I think that here, 
you're seeing that this is a guy who was incredibly effective and successful. Again, to make the number two most wanted list in the world, you have to be a pretty bad dude, if you will, right? So that's what's going on. And I think that, you know, we have to understand that to, to know why this was a priority for the Russian government. Yeah, and, and be careful of Russians making deals. Uh, they've done prisoner swaps before uh, with the West recently under Putin. And one of the spies that they returned to the West, uh, they then poisoned in the United Kingdom. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think they'll do that to Brittany because she wasn't a spy or anything like that. Uh, but Putin, in a sense, goes back on these deals uh, uh, all the time. So that leads to this question. Uh, so Harley, uh, it's a mixed bag for America, win some, lose some. But it's not at all a mixed bag for the Russians, right? This is a pure, complete win. They lose nothing. It was just a rando basketball player they'd arrested for no reason. And they get the huge upside of a weapons dealer that they were loyal to and need the help of right now, as you just explained. Right, and in fairness to Biden, it was very clear what the deal was. Either you take this deal or there's nothing. Now, what we've come to discover is that the American ex-Marine could have been released if the United States had a released another Russian who is apparently a colonel in the Russian intelligence service, the FSB, and who was found guilty in a German court of assassinating an opposition leader from Russia, someone who was active in fighting for Chechnya against Russia. So this guy followed, followed this Russian, this Chechnya commander on a bicycle, followed him into a park, took out a Glock, pistol and assassinated him and killed him and was subsequently arrested, went to court and was found guilty. So they are really trying to get him out of jail. That was their goal. So they thought that they could leverage our desire to get Paul, the American ex-Marine out by making that exchange. And the United States stood its ground and said, we're, this guy is such a bad guy. We're not, we're not gonna exchange him for that. We have to draw the line somewhere. So that could be debated too, but that's what took place behind the scenes. So one more thing, Harley. So I think you gotta ought to have your head examined if you're gonna go to visit Russia these days, right? Especially if you're an American. Your chance of getting kidnapped is like 93%. Um, okay, I'm exaggerating, but uh, but you're really taking your life. Yeah, you're taking your life into your own hands there. So I'm curious why the Biden administration is there a reason why they wouldn't use that as a leverage point in the negotiations? Look, if you don't do a deal that includes Whalen, we're all of the West and our allies are going to do a giant blitzkrieg on your tourism industry and say, hey, if you go to Russia, you're gonna get kidnapped, you're gonna get kidnapped, you're gonna get kidnapped. That actually could do billions of dollars in damage, particularly to Russian oligarchs. Is that a crazy thought by me that doesn't make sense or could they have done Not a crazy thought, no, I I think that's a great point. And whether it's that or some other strategy that they could have used probably would maybe would have given us a better outcome. But the problem is, as I mentioned earlier, we don't really know what went on behind the scenes. These are very unusual negotiations. So who knows what the United States said to Russia, but you're probably right. I suspect that the Biden administration was not going to escalate to the level that they probably needed to 
to get this Marine out of ex-Marine out of Russian prison. It's really an outrage that we have this guy there, especially given he's innocent. You know, if you're a spy, there are consequences, even though we want to get our spies out. And you know, back in the day, it would be a professional for a professional. In the days of the Cold War and the Soviet Union, we'd have a spy, they'd have a spy, we'd make an exchange. Here, everything has changed now. Now they're gonna kidnap an ordinary American. So as you said, everybody's at risk. And especially if you travel, be really careful about what you take with you because laws in other countries can be quite draconian and you could end up in hard labor in jail in a really dangerous, scary place. So I would make that, give that advice to anybody traveling, in fact, anywhere outside the United States to be really mindful of watching what they bring and be ultra careful, uh, making sure they're not in violation of another country's laws. Yeah, 100%. All right, Harley Lippman, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. My pleasure. The Trump Organization was found guilty. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? Drums, why would it be a bad thing? Well, let's talk about it. Uh, it's a good thing you stumbled onto the conversation. Uh, Joseph Tully is a criminal defense attorney. He's going to join us uh, to discuss it. Uh, Joseph of the House Tully, uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, no problem. So, uh, Joseph, I'll lay out my theory first, and then I'm curious about your reaction. Uh, I think that this basically helps Trump uh, with his cover up. Because it finds his organization guilty, um, so what? Uh, it's a tiny little fine. Um, Weisselberg didn't flip on him, uh, and Alvin Bragg didn't prosecute him at all. Uh, so, what am I getting wrong here? You're not you're not getting anything wrong there in that analysis. However, um, there are uh, there, there's a pending civil action in New York and a pending criminal action uh, with the district attorney. So this could this can these convictions could snowball and could help the other uh, cases against him. But really, yeah, this this isn't this isn't too bad either way. It's obviously not good for the Trump Organization, but as you point out, it's only a fine. Um, but it's not some kind of smoking gun. Yeah, so I want to get back to why they charged the least severe crime in a little bit, okay? But staying on this issue, so what they got convicted of is cheating on their taxes, basically, but not on the big scale of of what his father did with the his hundreds of millions of dollars, etc. Not the things that Michael Cohen talked about in the Senate hearings. I'm going to come back to that too. But of the nickel and dime stuff, hey, they, the company bought Alan Weisselberg an apartment or a car, etc., and they didn't pay their taxes on it. So, why do you think they went for the lowest charge possible? Well, you know, prosecutors can sometimes overcharge, but sometimes they undercharge. Here, I think I don't think they wanted to fall flat on their face. I think they knew this would be a very public prosecution, a very public case. And rather than overcharge, they went conservative and went for what they knew they could get. Yeah, and so Joseph, I'm not seeing it wrong, right? That I sense, look, is Alvin Bragg in cahoots with Donald Trump? No, I would be shocked by that. I'm, well, maybe shock's a little too strong, but I would be very surprised, okay? Um, so he's a Democrat, there's no reason why he would support Trump ostensibly. 
Uh, is he a little bit interested in protecting the elite? Most people in the elites are, right? Okay, but I think that's not primarily it. I think primarily prosecutors are obsessed with their record because that's uh, their pride uh, in their career. And they were super worried about losing any cases. My sense is that that's the number one reason they haven't really gone after Trump yet. Sure, they, they don't want to swing in a miss. And uh, again, your, your analysis is correct in, in uh, one point that I, I don't think a lot of people would realize is that this could possibly help Trump. A, again, they're, they're good and bad either way. But in, in some degree, um, when Wesselberg testified, look, this was all me. It was all by my greed. Sure, the company benefited, but I hid it. Then Trump called uh, an accountant. And while the accountant certainly um, was more for the prosecution, it, Trump could later use that same testimony as a defense in a criminal action. Look, the accountant testified under oath that he didn't know what was going on. Fraud is designed to be hid. So if the accountant didn't discover it, how could I have discovered it? That's I, what I think was uh, handed to Trump as a result of this proceeding. So uh, why some people got a plea deal uh, for turning on the Trump organization, but not on Trump himself. And he largely went on the stand and was like, it was me, it was me, I did it, right? And uh, the organization a little bit, but Donald Trump definitely not. Uh, and he's still getting paid about a million bucks per year from Trump, right? So isn't that excellent evidence that he definitely didn't turn on Trump because Trump ain't gonna pay you a dollar, let alone a million dollars if you turn evidence against him. It's um, it, 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 it's, it certainly uh, a strong implication. So yeah, he's on paid leave. So, and he's been on paid leave uh, even though he was convicted of uh, 15 felony counts of fraud. So uh, Wesselberg was already convicted. Um, but is still getting paid by the organization and, and paid up through testimony. It certainly is a bad look and, and could be construed by some as you know, a, a wink and a nod favoritism. Yeah, no, this is totally a cover up, whether it's intentional or not. Because Weisselberg has always been the key actor here. He's the CFO, he's the one that runs the books. He knows where all the bodies are buried financially, right? And, uh, and for the prosecutor to get him five months for a weak testimony against Trump organization and letting him testify that it wasn't Trump. I mean, that's just god awful. I mean, I'm curious what the, I know you can't speak for the whole criminal attorney field, right? But does the legal community, I mean, this, I mean, this looks like a, to the rest of us, it looks like a joke, like that Alvin Bragg is mainly helping Trump. Do, are other people seeing it that way, or is it, are some people in the legal community like, man, you better not mess with Alvin Bragg, he'll get you on knickknack stuff? Well, so they're, Alvin Bragg, and he's he's the district attorney. Um, he's been very public about that a criminal investigation against Trump personally is ongoing. So on one hand, um, you know, this certainly wasn't a, a win for the prosecution or, or people who oppose Trump or don't like him for whatever reason. But it certainly um, can be built up in, in the criminal uh, investigation. And we don't know what's going on right now. Um, but to get back to your other point, uh, 
the and I can speak for basically the, the whole criminal justice system. Um, when they use cooperators and the common vernacular for that is snitch, a lot of times prosecutors get it wrong. Um, so if there's a group of people, sometimes they'll take the worst person and give them uh, an agreement to testify. And you can never trust a cooperator, generally speaking. Yeah, look, you know that Weisselberg is not an actual snitch because he didn't get stitches. Um, and if if he had actually snitched on Donald Trump, Trump would have ripped him to shreds, right? And he would have done every kind of attack. Instead, he's paying him a million bucks a year. Now, Albert Bragg is a joke, total joke. So he says he's doing a criminal case. Criminal case on what? I mean, is he going to pursue this? Weisselberg, the guy that he gave a plea deal to, said it wasn't Trump. So what does anybody have any idea what this so-called criminal case Alvin Bragg is working on? No one would have any idea because a criminal investigation by its very nature isn't public yet. The the prosecutors don't want to let out information because they don't want the other side to start preparing a defense or to start insulating themselves from a defense. Um, but I you know, I I I I wouldn't write off a criminal uh action later in the future. And I certainly wouldn't write off the fact that this civil action against the Trump organizations can't be used or can't can't snowball into something. I Worst case scenario for the Trump organization or for Donald Trump is that it would be a scenario of like a death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, there's you know this civil case where there are six felony convictions, then another criminal case gets opened up, and then the state attorney general is instituting a suit. There, it could just kind of piggyback on the other investigations going on. Can it? Because so let's there's levels of severity, right? You, I'm going to leave out all the Justice Department stuff that's federal. So the the document, the national secrets that he stole, and God knows what he did with, etc. I'm just talking about these New York and these financial crimes. And the least severe is the one that he they, that the organization just got prosecuted for and convicted. Uh, the most severe one potentially was money laundering that he might have done with the Russians. But it seems like that ship has sailed. Nobody's talking about it. I mean, it looks like Deutsche Bank has the records of whatever impropriety happened and. But Alvin Bragg is nowhere to be seen on something like that, and and that would be a little risky to try to prove. I mean, for Bragg would never do that. So let's talk about the middle severity case, the one that Michael Cohen said on national TV. He said it on this show. He said it every says it everywhere he goes. Look, man, we cooked the books on a big scale. We would lie about how much value we had when we we're going to get a loan in our assets, and then we would say the exact opposite when we were paying our taxes. That our assets were really low. Joseph, that's a pretty significant crime. That's not, hey, I bought the dude a Volkswagen, right? Uh, so, but now it looks like Bragg lost the guy who could prove that, Weisselberg, because he already gave him immunity. If he's cooking up that case, wouldn't this case actually hurt him rather than help him? All right. So, I. I think that he can continue, that the, the, the DA can continue to use Wesselberg. And the fact that, you know, he, he already has guilty pleas, 
I don't think that he's burned his bridges and using him as a witness. Anybody can be subpoenaed and can be compelled to be a witness at any time. And in fact, it might be that that other crimes that are completely unrelated to these accusations can be brought up against Wesselberg in the future and he could be flipped again. I mean, that that's that's one scenario. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um, so I, I agree with you. Yeah. It, look, uh, Cy Vance uh, did uh, not prosecute Harvey Weinstein initially. Initially, okay, and uh, and now Alvin Bragg is not prosecuting Donald Trump. Uh, he says he might a decade from now on a mysterious charge that he's not building at all. Um, so for the layman out there, Joseph, why do these prosecutors who are elected Democrats, why are they so, so soft on the powerful, even up to including the, the Republicans? I mean, one viewpoint is that the prosecutors are part of the power structure. So um, there's one thing that the, the powerful people do is they hang out with each other and they uh, kind of support each other. People tend to be tribalistic, um, you know, in whatever. Hey, I'm a Mets fan, and you're a Mets fan. We could be friends. Let me buy you a beer, that kind of thing. And it's the same thing, you know. Human nature is pretty basic, and uh, prosecutors are power. They're part of the power structure. So, you know, again, sometimes prosecutors do undercharge. Sometimes they overcharge. I'm I'm sure it's a, a thankless job for a lot of times, and, and a lot of prosecutors are are good and they try to do what's right. But um, you get to be uh, in a position of power, and and I think a lot of people change fundamentally. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, that once you get in the club, uh, job one is to protect the club, and if you're a prosecutor, the number one way to protect them is by not charging them. And we're seeing it kind of in live in a in slow motion right in front of us. It's an amazing thing to watch. All right, Joseph Tully, thank you for helping us sort this out. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care.